0: Well, welcome everyone. This is Dr. Mercola helping you take control of your health. And today we are joined by Dorian Green now, who is also known as Mr. Mojo. And you might wonder what that's all about. It's about his company, which is Keto Mojo, which is probably, uh, as viewed by most of the experts I'm aware of, the single best strategy to measure your ketone levels and if you don't know why ketones are so good so good for you you definitely want to listen so welcome and thank you for joining us Dorian, or Mr. Oh, Roger
1: uh, thank you for the uh, invitation I'm honored to uh, to be here so
0: okay so um, you know prior to the uh, introduction of your company which is about a year and a half ago or so maybe two mm-hmm. two years, two years um, the only way that well, we'll let's establish the um, that blood testing is the most accurate way to measure ketones. You can measure by breath, yeah. and urine too. So why don't why don't you go into that and talk about the how, how the market was and it existed before you entered it, and what you've done to change that and really make it a lot more cost affordable for the average individual to monitor themselves very accurately.
1: Absolutely. Um... Let's go back to 2015. I was 207 pounds, uh, had all of the telltale markers for metabolic syndrome, and a good friend of mine, Todd White of uh, Dry Farm Wines. He oh, said, sure. Like,
0: Todd's a great guy.
1: Absolutely. He goes, like, Dorian, you've got to get rid of those white devils, those those white devils <laughs> <got a> <laughs> in, his, in his Southern style way. And I'm like, what do you, what do you mean by this? And he, he spoke to me about the ketogenic diet, and so I started looking at all of the science on it, reading through all of the books and I'm not a fat diet person uh, mm-hmm. in any way, shape or form and I, consistently the science w- was was telling the right story and was, and it was backed up so I um, uh, cut out my carbs, kept them under about thirty grams, and I was testing with an Abbott meter. Mm-hmm. And I'm like looking at this little piece of plastic, and it's four dollars fifty per test. Like I could not understand why the the strip was so expensive. Mm-hmm. And so I set about saying, like, well, why is this? So I drew up a list of a, of a hundred different manufacturers across the globe. I cross matched that to the federal reg- regulations of the five ten Ks. Um, to ensure that they could um, have something that was legal within the United States. I then approached all of these different manufacturers and basically the business plan was classic back of the cocktail napkin, test three times a day for less than the cost of a latte. We needed to have affordable testing. If we have affordable testing, people know that they're in a state of nutritional ketosis. And what they get is this affirmation that the dietary choices they're making are right for their bio-individuality.
0: Well, let me stop you there for a moment, if you don't mind, because uh, we did have affordable testing prior to your introduction to the market. But I think that the adjective we're missing is affordable, accurate testing. So this might be a really great time to give people a primer on the different ways to measure ketones. Mm. Yeah. So you basically have three different
1: methods in the marketplace to measure your ketones. Um, You have urinalis strips, which were designed for type 1 diabetics to ensure that to see if they're gonna go into ketoacidosis, which is very different to ketosis. Um, The second method is using breath. Um, There are two um, devices on the market, the ketonics and and the level. And the third, and the the gold standard of the gold standard, if you will, is measuring by blood. Blood is used in all clinical trials, it's used by all doctors. It is has a direct correlation. So let's look at your analysis first. What your analysis strip is measuring one of the types of t- ketones, and there are three different types. I'd like to think of them like a, a, a backing group of singers. You have the two ladies either side, and in the middle you have the big bass guy. The big bass is beta-hydroxybutyrate, represents about seventy percent of the ketone bodies that are in the blood, and that's the blood ketone. Then you have acetoacetate. From Probably pronouncing that terribly being English. No, oh, it's great. I love your British accent. Acetone, which is from the breath. Now, acetoacetate gets spilled into the urine, then uh, the first stages of going into n- nutritional ketosis, because your body's mitochondria has not yet changed yet to take advantage of those ketones. Then what happens? The body doesn't waste energy. So it uses the, the, the spilled ketones, and therefore they no longer spill. So, a urinalis strip is not a good biomarker to test accurately with. Um, they're also, just as a, as a design side, you know, ketoacidosis should really be called glucoketoacidosis because you can only have ketoacidosis if you have very high ketones over 12 millimoles and also high glucose over 240. That's why whenever you see on a glucose meter, you'll see, it'll say check ketones if you have a blood glucose over 240. So that's the urinalysis strips. Let us take a look at breath. Um, there's the Ketonics, um, which is a Swedish based um, uh, company. I think it, it, the actual, their meter is about $200. Um, there's not a direct correlation on the Ketonics between the level of acetone to fat burning or to a um, specific, um, and the word I would look for is ther- therapeutic. So sort of very much either is or is not, but no sort of granularity of measurements in between that, that comes in there. I think it's a great tool maybe for an epileptic um, person Uh, Mm -hmm. which was what it was originally designed for, for epileptic children. Um, So they have a way that they can blow into it very simply, very easily. And I think in that um, specific methodology, I think it's a very good tool for that. The other meter that does it is the level. Um, And uh, I know all the team over there, they've spent a huge fortune in creating um, an accurate breath meter, but it is about $600. And then there's a monthly subscription that you need. To keep it calibrated, and yeah. the science that they've done on that, I think is just some really great science. And I'm hoping that they can continue to um, build on that and bring down the cost of that $600 a meter and refine it as they move forward.
0: Yeah, um, I, I, I was impressed it. with it too, but it, you know that monthly prescript subscription model just doesn't fly. I mean, it's just almost like a greedy company. So I. You know they've got to get rid of that from my perspective. But you made a bold statement that the accuracy of the ketonics was questionable, uh, and uh, certainly the company would dispute that. But interestingly, that's my observation too, and i stopped using it. It's certainly a lot easier because you're just blowing into it. There's no monthly, yep. fee. There's no uh, nothing renewable that you have to purchase. So if it was accurate, it'd be great. But in our, my experience, it's just as inaccurate. So I'm not using it. So wh- how how do you come up with that? Is there clinical Published information, or is that just your experience?
1: Well, to my knowledge, there's not one single clinical trial um, that is going and been used by the ketonics. Um, and anecdotally, all the people that I've known have used it, and I have used it myself, have found that you know they don't get the level of granularity of what they are looking for for their bio individuality. Um, if you take a look right now, there's uh, if you look every single day on the IRB board. There are hundreds of clinical trials um, being done uh, into the ketogenic um, uses of the ketogenic diet. Um, we are currently now funding three of those clinical trials um, right now: one for C- two for Cedars Hospital, and another one for UCSF, because the 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 level of accuracy that you can get from a blood meter. Uh, is extremely well proven. It's it's federally regulated um, so that across all of those trials, people know that if you're testing, that the data set that is there is a valid data set. Now, if Ketronics and those other guys can get there, I think that'll be great for the ketogenic community. Uh, I didn't get into doing this Because I wanted to make a huge amount of money. I mean, nobody in their right mind puts up their house, their 401k, 22 years of life savings, in the hopes of trying to go up against a Fortune 500 company. It's just like, (laughs) 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 what am I thinking on that one?
0: Um, You saw a need and you filled it. And a lot of people are grateful for that.
1: Well, we're also grateful to the ketogenic community because they could understand what we were trying to achieve. Um, And it is affordable testing because we have a finite life with the majority of our customers. And we're happy about that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Other large pharmaceutical companies, they want you to be with them for their entire life and milk as much money from you. We realize that our job is through affordable testing. People can test, they can work out what their bio-individuality is. And they test a lot to begin with. But as they adjust and change their dietary choices, they test and they're in ketosis, they test they're in ketosis. And then what happens is the infrequency of the testing drops off because they're now living a very healthy, vital life. Mm-hmm. And that to me is the best thing because we've done our job. Our job is not to create legions of unhealthy people. Our role in life is to live a very vital, healthy life and, and make sure that our friends and people around you do the same.
0: All right, well, thank you for uh, giving us the background to understand what you've produced, because without that perspective, it's difficult to appreciate what, what's available. So I, I interrupted you before you did that expansion as you were describing how you started the company. So why don't you con- mm-hmm. uh, continue? So-
1: so we searched around looking for a manufacturer partner with us. And and it comes down to there are only just a few major players, te- technology holders, if you will, around the globe that can have the, the patents to do um, both ketones and glucose. And it was important for our meats to be able to do both and to be able to get it at a a very affordable price. And one was obviously Abbott that we all knew. The other one was Nova. And um, there was another manufacturing company that I work very closely with um, uh, to make our, our meter. And so when we launched in August, um August the 1st last year? So it's just over a year that we've been going. Um, we were able to come to market with a strip at $1. And we guaranteed every one of those first few people who signed on that they would get, be guaranteed at 99 strips, 99 cents strips um, for life um because we we wanted to make sure that people understood that we weren't in this for the short haul we were actually in here for for the actual long haul and it was quite a tumultuous start for my wife and i because uh, we started august 1 and then the fires came through here in california on uh, august the 9th and we lost our house in those fires and i remember being on a on a street corner down in South Napa, I'm on my laptop, I'm answering all everybody's questions, because all I could find was this one bit of Wi-Fi going like, don't worry, inventory's fine, it's down in Southern California, just in Los Angeles, it's all good. Um, And it was a blessing and a curse in disguise because um, the keto community was so welcoming of having affordable testing that we were growing exponentially and we were able to not only we got our insurance money, and I said to to Mrs. Mojo, you don't want to replace any of the furniture and stuff, do you? And basically, she agreed, and we then put all of our possession money and everything in. So there's nobody all in as a company as my wife and I. Uh, and I look at this place that is around here. It's a rental house with rental furniture and just a few pictures at the back there that we were able to to pull out from the and put into the car and that's pretty much about it in, in our lives. So, um, you know, our goal is to, is to really bring about a revolution in healthcare. And, uh, I think we have the, one of the catalysts to be able to do that.
0: Yeah, it's a really great tool. And, uh, i I appreciate the fact that people use it intermittently and quite a bit initially, as you mentioned, and then fade off. But, uh, my personal experience is that, uh, things change <laughs> and that, you know, you may have some concepts of how to integrate and I'm thinking specifically of my own experience with partial fasting, which to me, you know, I've been a big fan of cyclical ketosis and I, I, let's go venture, venture out there. Cause I'm interested in your personal journey with respect to ketosis and, you know, after Todd encouraged you to, to step in, down that path and, uh, how that happened and what you're, what you've done and wh- what you're currently doing.
1: Yeah. So, uh, this is back 2015, um, I started, um, following a ketogenic diet and let's rephrase that a ketogenic lifestyle, because if you think of it always like a diet, then you're never going to succeed. If you think of it like a lifestyle, then you, then you will succeed. And for me, it was uh very clean keto, keto and yoga, uh, is what I, will my, my two, things that, that I, I did. So I wasn't down the gym. I just did um, a daily meditation practice um, uh, using doing Ashtanga yoga. And you know, when I first started, uh, obviously it was very classic. I was had very well, I was lucky. I had very little um, keto flu because I was making use of proper supplements um, to do it. Potassium, magnesium and salt, making sure you're having your bone broth, doing all those classic things because if you listen to what all the scientists and doctors are telling you, it's pretty easy um, to follow that. So, so, no keto flu came on in. My weight loss was a steady one to two pounds per week. Um, and it just gently kind of like dropped on off and dropped on, on down. Uh, I was personally, I'm not, I found that I had a problem with sugar alcohols through testing. Uh, and with that, I don't do any keto cookies or bars or other things. And I pretty much eat nice, clean, freshly made home, home food. Or when we go out to restaurants, we're blessed by living in the Napa Valley that um, we have good Mediterranean cuisine. And they're very welcoming for us to adjust any, any restaurant um, food item. It's easy to substitute after you've learned to eat out for a while. And then what happens is my weight dropped down until it got to it, it, its natural set, set point, which is between 165 if I'm really going hard on, on the yoga and about 175 um, if I'm working a little bit too hard and not getting as much. How, t- how tall are you? Um, five foot nine inches. Okay.
0: So that's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty optimal. Me. Yeah. So, uh, and then are you integrating uh, the carbohydrates? Uh, on a cyclical basis back in? So are there other days when you have higher amounts of carbohydrates and protein or is it pretty much a standard diet most of the time?
1: Well, there are moments when we all slip off the wagon. So I think I do intermittent cycling because just of of the human nature more than anything like that. Well, when I'm at home, I will generally um, eat a very clean keto lifestyle. Um, I like to have my ketones personally, my sweet spots between 1.1 and 1.7. Uh, I used to be on antidepressants for many years and um, now I don't, I'm not on any antidepressants and I find that when I'm in that per, my personal zone of 1.1 to 1.7, that's where I, um, I'm at my best. I get my best mental acuity. my well-being is really good. I don't have those fits of despairs or those high degrees of anger that I used to get and I kind of have to keep an, an even keel to it. Um, so moving in and out, that kind of like happens occasionally just by mistake more than anything. And sometimes it's not having enough dry farm wines and maybe drinking some other worldly wines.
0: <laughs> so, uh, is there a specific target you have for proteins and carbohydrates?
1: So um, my carbs are for me, I keep under 30 grams, um,
0: pretty uh, net, strict. net. Yeah. That's pretty strict.
1: Yeah, uh, that's kind of like what works well for me. And um, my protein is just really to a point of um, satiety. Uh, I try to keep it as simple as possible. You know, I look at the palm of my hand and that's that's gonna be the size of, of meat that I will have um, for myself. I no longer track my macros. Uh, I just know that the foods I eat and the way that I eat, um, and because I've been using the meter to tune myself in, so to speak, has got it right um, uh, for my, for myself. Uh, generally, my day will start with uh, I either I can either most mornings I will skip breakfast, uh, even though my wife's always making me a really nice yogurt and granola with a couple of berries on it. I usually have that almost for lunch, if you will. Keep that in the refrigerator. I'll just have a, a cup of tea in the morning with heavy cream, and then I'll gently sip on a bulletproof coffee. Um, uh, during the morning at lunchtime might be a couple of roll-ups of some meat and cheese and some veggies and then that and the yogurt mix and I actually love love, there's a a local uh, yogurt company called Peak who have this 17% fat yogurt that is absolutely delicious and um, I'll have that about lunch and then just do one evening meal Um, and then I'll sometimes push in intermittent fasting just doing 16-8 and then usually about once a month, I try and do a therapeutic fast, um, which will be about a two to three day fast. I uh, like Interesting. To bring those in uh, to try and get that autophagy and that poptosis. Um My f- grandfather passed away from Alzheimer's and um, my wife's mother also had Alzheimer's as well. So firsthand we've seen the ravages of that. And to be honest with you, it scares the bejeebus out of me. So I really want to, hopefully, um, with all the science that we've seen, um, live a very vital life I was just at um, the si- sixth biannual symposium on uh, ketogenic diets for neurological therapies on the island of Jeju in South Korea and we were listening to the science that was being presented for not only epilepsy with the Charlie Foundation um, but with also for Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and also seeing it and um, the ketogenic therapies used for schizophrenia and bipolar and ADHD and traumatic brain injury. And the strides that it's making is absolutely fantastic. And when you are there for three, four days, listening to some incredible bright minds, uh, you really do see the depth that food can make a, such a massive change in, in
0: people's lives. Yeah, it's uh, amazing because uh, your concern about Alzheimer's is certainly appropriate because there's a tsunami, an epidemic coming, and. Uh... It's not only Alzheimer's, as you mentioned, it's the other neurodegenerative diseases like Parkinson's and ALS. So, right, you, you you're basically almost making yourself bulletproof uh, when you follow this type of lifestyle, especially when you're regularly integrating fasting into your uh, Absolutely. regimen. Yeah. Absolutely, um, And you know, we're seeing how
1: fasting is working uh, e- even in for cancer therapies as well, uh, either pr- prior to. Um, any treatment during treatment and afterwards. Um, I love the work that Miriam Kellamian is doing and Dr. Nature Winters is doing. Um, you know, when when you see the the success that they're having. Um, so, uh, yeah, we we it's quite often in, we we hear just about the weight loss world, but mm-hmm. when you actually kind of like take a look in the medical side, to it between cancer, neurological, PCOS, cardiovascular. Um, you know, it just keeps stacking up and the, the evidence to me is quite clear.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's no question. Well, you know, when you're overweight, that usually implies insulin resistance, which is a foundational core of most of those chronic degenerative diseases. And
2: yeah.
0: the, the, the cyclical, I like cyclical ketogenesis because I, I think, I mean, you're doing it by accident, but that's, I think that's good intentionally and, and specifically target a few days from having increased hydrates. And uh, and my new version is something I call keto fast, which uh, yeah. I haven't had a chance to talk to you about yet, but it's a book coming out in May. And what we do uh, is recommend is to do those higher carb, higher protein days. And then the following day, you, do, you have the compressed eating window of about 18 hours. So the mm. following day when you would normally eat, you have a 600 calorie meal and then you don't eat for 24 hours. So essentially it's a 42 hour fast. You can do that once or twice a week, and you're, you're going to lose about four or five pounds in water weight, which suggests that you've got glycogen depletion, and your ketones go up pretty dramatically, usually over two, uh, and higher if you want to take something like C- MCT or C8 oil. So it's an interesting yeah. strategy, and I'm, I think it's uh, the compliance is pretty easy because it's pretty simple to have a little piece of meal and then not <laughs> eat it. You know? so going with two I or mean- three days is tough. You know, you're yeah. very clearly a very disciplined and uh, individual. And the, you know, the three, a- yeah, the
1: three-day ones took a took a while to get there. You've got to kind of like train your fasting muscles. You know, Pavlov dog rings his bell at five thirty every night when I want to have a glass of wine or a cocktail, and that, that's that's the hard part.
0: Yeah, it's like. A lot. And,
1: and so, you know, there's a physiological response and a psychological. And normally when I get that psychological response, I actually go and test myself. Mm-hmm. When I test myself and I look at my ketones. You know, here I have it that's saying, Dorian, you've got plenty of energy. Your ketones here, you're in a fasting state. Now I'm usually, I get above the twos when I'm fasting, about 2.2s, 2.5s, 2.6s. Um, and uh, you know, for me, that's kind of like okay, you've, your body's got the energy it needs, so it's just a psychological piece that you have to go and do that. Close the refrigerator door, just have some seltzer water, and I'll have the seltzer water, and then and generally it's fine. And then I go and make myself busy. Uh, it's for me, it's great if my wife has to go away on business. Um, that's usually the best time for me to fast because, like, okay, I don't have to cook, yeah, yeah. clean, don't have to do any washing up. Brilliant.
0: <laughs> yeah that definitely frees your time up, and uh, as I like to say it's it's less expensive or cheaper than free <laughs>
1: so. exactly yeah and and you can be so more much more productive because suddenly you've got these ketones arranging in your head, and you go like, "I've got to get this done and i got to get this done and you you're, you're, you get into the zone, and uh it's, you, you enjoy it um I also really enjoy swimming as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I'm fasted and uh, just you can just put your headphones on and you can get it get into the zone and and that is a, a really kind of like you get that absolute flow state which is which is really nice
0: yeah I, I've done multiple five-day water fast uh, but I don't think I'm going to do it again at least at this point because I, I much prefer this you know the 42 hour fast where it's just a yeah. lot easier and you can do them more frequently and I think the benefits are going to be better because you're stimulating autophagy and your stem cells activations, maybe two to three yeah. times as much in a month as you would by one two to three day fast.
1: Absolutely um, right there. I mean, some of the the science that I've read on it is that this two, three day mark is is sort of like the sweet spots and the longer ones, there's this, this diminishing return on mm-hmm. it. And maybe counterproductive. Yeah. So if you can kind of like shift into the the sweet spot and be able to do more sweet spots, mm-hmm. what sort of like advantages can you you get from that? Uh, and I would love to kind of like see more clinical trials and studies actually being done on that. And as we grow as a company, this is our goal. Um, my wife and I have almost finished setting up um, a 5013C Foundation. It's the ketogenic foundation, and uh, the goal is that we will be using um, uh, some of the profits that we are making here at, uh, at Keto Mojo to to fund that. Because what we do need to see is more clinical trials and studies, or greater cohorts of information um, that can be delivered um, through different um, uh, medical channels so that we can really showcase the efficacy of these these treatments in in a clinical double-blind way um so that's that's the next thing for for keto mojo as we set that up and to help with this we have just released um this week uh, a bluetooth connector and every single meter we've already sold everyone you can put a little connector into the to the top of the, the meter and all download automatically with all the timestamps, uh, all of your ketone measurements. Can you imagine a world where somebody is recording their macros through a chronometer or my fitness pal. They've got their weight put in there. They've got their glucose in there. They've got their ketones. They're calculating their GKI. They've got their heart rate variability. They've got their aura ring that has their sleep cycle on it. They pulled in all of their lab measurements. And suddenly, you have a data set that is incredible for real proper epidemiological studies. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the latest for-all that came out about the study that was in, um, in The Lancet and, and the Harvard's Journal," where they looked at a group of people and asked them to fill out a questionnaire of what they ate 20 years ago, <laughs> and used that as saying that, you know, low-carb um, diets don't work. And you're like, well, actually, the cohort of people that were doing the so-called low-carb weren't low-carb. They weren't ketogenic. They were having like 75 to 100 grams of carbs. And guess what? They were male, and they were smokers. So I think they were going to have a more higher degree of mortality rate uh, than somebody else. Um, But they decided that they wanted to pin it on low-carb, not the fact that they were male and smoking.
0: Yes, well, they liked the headlines. That certainly would draw some, because uh, keto become very popular in the media now. Right.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, you, yeah, precisely, and you know, and it's, and it's not expensive to do You don't really need to have a huge amount of pills, paying some money on your, uh, on your insurance. It's having affordable, good food. Mm. And there's, it's pretty, pretty simple when I look at it. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to the day that we actually see a change in farming And, you know, this is one of the, I mean, I I live in a farming community. I live in in the wine country uh, and I come from a small village in uh, in East Sussex in England. And I think we're going to see a farming revolution. Uh, It's going to take a while because right now we are subsidizing obesity in America with cheap carbohydrates, with a little known piece of legislation called the farm bill. And, It's it's the most boring piece of legislation, but guess what? This is how big ag is funded and we should be funding uh, organic vegetables. We should be funding pasture raised meats and good uh, husbandry um, for those animals. You see what Joel Salatin is doing at Polyface Farm. Mm -hmm. He is one of the most productive farms in America and it's all pasture based and yet You know, we should take that and use that as an example and bring back family farming. But we can only do that if we can tip the scales away from the big agriculture, who's making huge amounts of money from subsidies and assist um, the, the growing and the care of good quality vegetables that will make people healthier, which means less of a health cost. So I think you know it's, it's it's fundamentally do we want to spend money on obesity and parkinsons and alzheimers because that tsunami is coming or can we say all right we need to put some money over this side so we have a healthier population and can reduce down costs now it might not happen in america first but we might see other countries go that way because they can actually see the cost advantage and especially when a country that has maybe universal health care they want to bring down the burden there not increase it Whereas for here, where the health is for profit, maybe you do want to have a group
0: of unhealthy people. Yeah, we've been advocating that for quite some time in the regenerative agriculture approaches. And my view is that uh, the system's got to fail miserably uh, and crash, crash and burn, essentially. (laughs) You don't think
1: it's (laughs) failing right now?
0: (laughs) Well, it is, but but it's still being effectively subsidized. And when you have the printing press of the the US federal government, it could essentially print endlessly like they've been doing, uh, it doesn't really matter because they just print more. But at some point it will fail. And when it fails uh, and the system can't be subsidized anymore by these printing presses, then the only approach is going to be, even if limited resources, you're going to go for the things that work, not for the things that are fake and merely increase the pockets of these large multinational corporations. Mm -hmm. I mean, Have you heard Peter Ballestat
1: talk uh, about the ruminati and the fact that when we look at uh, uh, annual crops versus perennials and the uh, ruminant, which is the cow or the bovine, um, basically it doesn't compete for for human beings for food. It actually uh, eats grass and forbs and clovers, which we don't eat because it's got four stomachs and a whole bunch of bacteria that break it down. So, when, a, when you have land that is using perennial um, grasses and forbs, they actually put roots down really, really deep. There then is a mycorrhizae um, uh, and mycelium, then has a mat that runs through that so that we can actually filter the water that is going in and we can clean the water. And then we're not losing all of the topsoil that we get from agricultural um, uh, farming uh, using uh, annuals. But also when you know, I hear that there's always the vegetarian argument that we cannot feed the world. Well, a vegetarian diet is an incomplete protein, and you need a complete protein for us to live, to have all the essential amino acids. So it will actually take almost twice as much land to have a complete protein vegetarian grown than it is to have it as a pasture raised. And we can also look at stacking functions in the ecosystem by we can have cattle graze underneath trees. We can have tree crops for nut oils. We can have tree crops for avocados. We can have tree crops for even coconuts on marginal land that is down um, by the beach or that is um, uh, in in deserts to still create all the oils and essential fats that we need. Uh, So I, I love the way that Joel Salatin says it's not the cow, it's the how.
0: Yeah, yeah. I've been to Joel's farm and I've been to many other uh, regenerative agriculture farmers like uh, Will Harris and Gabe Brown or some of the pioneers in that area. I've been to mm-hmm. all their farms. And, uh, you know, I'm quite familiar with the with the process and the strategy and that's something we recommend and encourage, but, you know, there's still this fundamental challenge that the, the mass majority of the population is really seeking convenience and have been essentially brainwashed by the media. And we're yeah. seeking to, counter that with our platform to help give them the truth to yeah. help them understand and make choices that are going to promote their health and prevent them from being in the hospital, which is not a good place to be.
1: Yeah. And what you're doing is one of the most important things. We need to have a, a bottom up and a top down strategy, um, for, for, to, for us to make this fundamental change. And, you know, from what I'm seeing and obviously I'm in a bubble, I'm in the ketogenic bubble and it's, um, but what I'm seeing is we're seeing, when we went, I was at OSU with um, Dr. Zwolle uh, invited me up, uh, Keto-Mojo, to be there. Um, and it was the first time that um, the Food Innovation Center at OSU had had um, a gathering of scientists who were presenting in all different disciplines. And you, you get into a room, and it was packed. There were 400 clinicians and scientists and doctors in that room, They had some some of the brightest and best presenting, and it was amazing Uh, standing room only when you kind of like see this sort of uh, people doing this. And you're like, this is happening across America and across the globe now that we're seeing more and more and more of of these kind of meetings and sharing of these ideas. And I think the speeds that it's going to accelerate will surprise a lot of people. Uh, We're already seeing in the supermarkets that. You know, most people shopping the outer aisle and then not shopping in the center. And it's been a 1.4% drop on packaged goods in supermarkets. And to me, that's great. Finally, you know, like people are waking up.
0: That proverbial outer aisle, I would say, I just happened to go. I, this is the second time I went to the store this year. Normally, I get it from a farmer's market. But I just had to go because my local source of eggs dried up. So I had to go this to get some. And I was, I went around the edge of the store because I knew that's where the eggs were and I had to pick up some produce. And uh, I would say it was like 75% of the stuff in the outer aisle was bad. I would, it shouldn't be bought. Well, yeah, I mean, it
1: it depends on the store that you're going to, for sure. I mean, I'm here in California. Yeah, yeah, so it's Uh, a different
2: strategy.
1: I'm super blessed uh, in the fact that I can go into into a local Whole Foods and there are five different pasture-raised brands of, of eggs that is available and two of them are local. I can go into my local tiny independently owned supermarket and I can get eggs from just down the road uh, from uh, Tomasoro Ranch, uh, which is literally oh. less than two miles away. And I think this is how it should be. Uh, and I think that the, the, the clever uh, distribution company will be one where they start to really learn how to source local. We're not gonna change how people want convenience. That's gonna be the hard part. No. Uh, but if we can create and make sure that there is the vectors and the channels and that the farmers can make sufficient amounts of money doing it, that, that it becomes the most important
0: piece. So I, it, I, yeah. I want to go back to the, uh, the science a little bit. And um, you're um, in an interesting position because I suspect you're an exhibitor of some of the top events and you travel pretty regularly. So maybe you can comment on that. And... Uh, you just mentioned you were in Korea. So uh, you're probably t- getting to learn from the best people in the world on a regular basis. So it, j- if you can just confirm that and then uh, maybe share a few of the highlights that you've learned in the last six months or year.
1: Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, you know, we, we segment um, our markets of where we want to try and, and help and assist with. In the medical community, through cancer, neurological, PCOS, um, cardiovascular, and uh, obviously weight loss, type two um, diabetes. Um, So, when we're taking a look at at some of the events, what we're seeing is is um, especially in in cancer. That this really bio individualized targeting is coming into play. Uh, a good integrative oncologist is first of all gonna want you to take a full genome test. And they're gonna be taking a look at wanting to make sure that you've got the, they're gonna be looking at the type of cancer that you have and making sure that the the targeted therapy that they're gonna do it is gonna work. And I wanna be close of that. Keto for a lot of cancers it will be very advantageous. But there are still some cancers who are tenacious and will feed off of ketones. There are some cancers that cannot feed off of ketones. And so being on a ketogenic diet gives you a a huge amount of uh, advantage on that one because of the Warburg effect that is well known and
0: being able to weaken it. And we just want to emphasize here, too, that I don't think any expert is claiming that ketosis cures cancer. It's a powerful adjunct, but it needs to be used in conjunction with other approaches. Precisely and um, and what you have with
1: people like uh, Dr. Nature winters when she 's talking about the terrain ten is you know, to, for the greatest degree of success you 're looking to get one percent here, two percent there, five percent there, six percent there, just enough to tip the scales. And that can be through making sure that you're removing electrical uh, magnetic frequencies from from around you. You're making sure that you are not in an area full of pesticides. You're trying to minimize the pollutants in your life. You're trying to make sure that you get good amounts of sleep to bring bring down your cortisol so that you don't have the stress in your life. You're gonna make sure that you're gonna do everything you can to reduce down the inflammation. And then it's sort of like how you manage that targeted um, uh, therapy with a standard of care. And there's a well-regimented standard of care for different cancer protocols, but there's not yet quite a a well-regulated standard of care for a ketogenic diet. And I think the ketogenic community really need to come together on this. Uh, We heard Pam and Doug Devine down at Low Carb USA uh, and Gary Taubes calling for this. And I think it's really important that we, we set this kernel of a standard of care and then wrap that around it how the different types of keto will be needed for different protocols. Like what you need for cancer is different than what you need for epilepsy, which is different to what you might need for a neurological disorder, and certainly it'll be different to what you need for PCOS. Yeah. Uh, from what I'm hearing in in the epileptic world, you know, higher is not necessarily better. It is the bioindividuality that works. What I hear in the cancer world that definitely. Higher is better if you have a good GKI, which is the glucose ketone index by Professor um, But And how you apply that, um, the use of exogenous ketones for certain therapies is also really beginning to come into play. Um, Do you personally
0: use exogenous ketones, either the salts or the esters?
1: I do, yes. I actually use ketone salts. Uh, I'll be honest. I live in the Napa Valley. I sometimes consume too much wine. It's probably the best hangover cure going uh, that I found. <laughs> but I also find that, when I mentioned before, my sweet spot for um, uh, for the way that I feel mentally. And for my mental acuity between 1.1 and 1.7, I like a little bit of exogenous ketones in my water bottle that I gently sip on and that just makes sure I'm in that, um, uh, in that even keel in, in that respect. I also use it as sometimes as a pre-workout before if I've got, um, now I'm going to do a pretty strenuous ashtanga session. I like to have a little pop of that prior to um, uh, beginning my practice. And I find that that really does help that I can get deeper and longer
0: uh, of the energy on that first part of the well, um, I'd like to veer off into another tangent that I learned from Dr. Richard Veach, who's probably one of the world experts in ketones. Mm-hmm. And and it addressing it combining that with some of the points that you mentioned earlier about the integration of some of the Bluetooth technology into keto mojo and the Bluetooth headsets that you're wearing. Yeah. So that's EMF radiation, it's wireless frequencies that are not necessarily healthy for biological health. Uh, Not that someone like yourself is at higher risk, because with a ketone level between one and two, you're doing magnificent things for your body. And I just wanted to to share this with you, because I think you may not be aware of it. But ketones are probably the most powerful things you do when you're flying, because the damage that happens at 35,000 feet from ionizing radiation that actually damages your DNA is very similar to the damage that occurs from EMF exposure. Almost identical between ionized and non ionized radiation, that they'll cause DNA breaks, which are repaired by PARP, uh, poly ADP ribose. And the solution to that, really, is that one of the solutions is to have high ketones, because the ketones will go in, they increase NADPH, which is uh, unbelievably great at regenerating uh, the antioxidants. Uh, and increasing SOD and catalyze and his FOXO3A, it's an amazing, powerful strategy. So what I recommend is that people don't eat when they're flying at all to keep yourself in ketosis. And you could take exogenous, but you know, if you, it's kind of a hassle. There's a price to it, especially if you're going to use the esters, you're looking at $15, 30 So you can just yeah. get, especially someone like you can easily be in nutritional ketosis.
1: I also think, yeah, I also think things like exogenous ketones, uh, you know, I have a friend who's, you know, I'll give the classic example, their parents, they've got early on onset of dementia. They're very hard to, um, to change their ways at that stage. So what happens then? I mean, exogenous ketones, a simple drink can um, basically help them um, uh, and be a, a kind of a crutch. I think there is definitely a place for that. Uh, I look at the American military, and I think uh, I do not understand why the American military is not 100% keto. Uh, and I'll give one classic example, you know, for one gram of fat, you get nine kilocalories. For one gram of carbohydrate, you get four kilogram, um, kilocalories. So you could mm-hmm. have twice as much food, go into a theater of operations, as twice as much trips. To feed the troops, which means you're exposing the supply chain to twice as much damage. This was the problem that we saw in many more different war zones. Second, if you can function better with mental acuity, would you want to have your hands stuffed with food, or would you want to have bullets on in the theater of operation? So, if you're already in a ketogenic state, you can then have that extra uh, acuity that you need. And the third bit is uh, it was Recently presented by Dominic D'Agostino at OSU. I didn't even realize that most submariners uh, in, in the US Navy are in a constant state of uh, having too much CO2 that is way over what would be OSHA compliant. And if you've got a high CO2 area, there's going to be more chance of seizures. So, shouldn't they be drinking ketone salts whilst they are performing their duties to help protect the brain
0: from the damages that they're having of their daily jobs of protecting America? They could do that, but I think it's really important that – and you're not going to get the maximum benefit unless you're following a, a diet somewhat similar to what you're doing, and then you'll get the benefit. Because I think right. using it as a magic bullet is just absolutely the wrong strategy. Uh, I mean, there are, there are probably indications for it, as you mentioned, those who have – or are demented. or, or there's a, I'm sure there's some targeted – rare and few between where be, you can justify them. But I think for most people, you've got to integrate it with the diet.
1: Yes, yes. You have to live the lifestyle. Then the, I think just to drink it and still consume a high fat, that, mm-hmm. that would be a bit of a recipe for um, disaster. Wow. Um, but even coming back to the military, they have an obesity problem in the military. Now, if anybody should be eating less, moving more, when you've got a drill sergeant on on your behind, you should not be overweight. So if the military can't even do it, with all of their regimen eating a standard American diet, then there is something that is wrong. And I think DARPA probably are getting it. And that's why they've been funding some of Dominic Diagostino's work um, in that respect. And I think eventually we'll see it, see a change.
0: Oh, great. So I'm wondering um, how your company is doing. You've been in business for a year. you mortgage mortgaged your home and put everything into it. Uh, and I'm wondering uh, if you're back to zero yet or starting to make a profit or you know how's that
1: going we we are making a profit which is which is a good thing and we um we're at the stage right now where you know we we finished our escalation of inventory um one of the main things i wanted to do was ensure that we were fully de-risked uh in, in the supply chain um that's why I, I have frequent meetings with my manufacturer because there's a lot of people that rely upon us for for the different therapies um and so our challenge this year was making sure that we had sufficient inventory in, in Amazon and in our own warehouse um, to supply the, the entire United States. And we were really proud that um, actually this month, we hit that we have 90 days of product uh, available in the United States. So should anything happen, like a container,
0: something mm-hmm.
1: fall off a ship, it's okay, we can get another container in, we can continue on the, on the mission of what we're looking to uh, do.
0: Uh, no out of stock message
1: never oos that would be awful um dealing with the amazon behemoth is another a game (laughs) i won't even go down that route but uh there we are on that one there Uh, so our goal is that was our number one goal and we've achieved that so I still haven't rebuilt my house, so hopefully next year we'll be, yeah, that'll come. That'll we'll, come. We'll, we'll pull some of the money out on that one there. But you know, yeah. I have finally, after a year, I'm actually getting a wage, which is a nice thing to get Yeah, paid yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and and we're doing well, and uh, so our, our goal is to to continue to see what we can do to. As we get greater scale, we get more margin. Rather than take that margin as just pure profit, we want to try and bring the, the, the price down on the strips. And that will be our, our next challenge. We just finished another meeting with our manufacturer to see if we can find some efficiencies with them uh, to bring it down. Uh, you know, it's it's really hard to go to a manufacturer and see, we want you to make less money, find a way of doing it. Yeah. Um, it, it doesn't quite work that way. And so we have to try and find the scale. And this, this is, you know, my big fear is that, you know, the, the, the big guys could change their, their way of thinking and they could come back on in and uh, they could fracture the marketplace. And when you fracture the marketplace, nobody gets scale. And if you can't get to scale, you can't bring the cost down.
0: So this is this will be the challenge. Um, and how, are you, how are you doing now compared to the previous market leader, which was Abbott and Precision Extra?
1: Uh, on, on Amazon, we are now the number one selling um, glucose and ketone meter in the United States by probably a factor of five. Wow. Um, that and that means includes within, too? That too? Yes. Um, so if you take a look on Amazon now, you'll see that we have the Amazon choice badge. We have the Amazon bestseller badge on both of our strips and that, that piece uh, in, the, in the direct consumer market. Um, so there's been definitely a great change that's come into place. And what is also really cool is one of our goals was to lower the cost of strips. And we mm-hmm. have found that our competition have lowered their costs. No, and interesting. So-,
0: so Abbott's lowered their price from four dollars. What are they down to now?
1: Uh, You can buy bootleg strips uh, on Amazon. And what I mean by that is if poor old Australian government is subsidizing ketone strips, and then there's some adventurous people who are unboxing those ketone strips and posting them over into the United States. And so we're seeing these bootleg strips pop up at about one to $2. Um, The only problem with that is you don't know the provenance of those strips, whether or not they've been baked. Um, And I think... Keto consumers are being duped a little bit in the marketplace. Um, I air freight every single one of my strips in in, and temperature controlled. Uh, They stay into my warehouse, which is FDA regulated. That is temperature controlled. And then we then ship out to our consumers. So you know that you've got the most freshest strips and they've been looked after.
0: Uh, In in ideal circumstances where it's temperature controlled and it's not baked, as you mentioned, what is the length of time that you... Could expect before it would expire—is it a year or more? And the well, our strips are good. Our strips are good for eighteen months from date of manufacture if they've
1: been te- um in temperature controlled. Mm-hmm. You know, you can take a small heat spike on a strip um, for a few days, and it's going to be absolutely fine. But it's over the period of time that then becomes a, a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, our strips—you know—we put an upper range at eighty-six degrees, um, but that—that's to be an abundance of caution. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, when I, when I, see, when I see the prices uh, lowered down on Amazon, I, I have a love-hate relationship with it. I oh. hate it it means it's competition and can fracture the marketplace, which makes it difficult for us to get scale and lower the price. But I also love the fact that this... The husband and wife team in California were able to make a Fortune 500 company change their price. That gives,
0: you, that gives you a little bit of joy. <laughs> yeah, so I would assume that you've got relationships with most of the research community and that they're using your uh, device and strips by default?
1: Yeah, we're beginning to make inroads with that. Um, and we're trying to support the research community in that respect. And so we're using the, the very slim margins that we get to try and support that. I have one that's um, clinical trial that I'm working with with you with Cedar Sinai Hospital for um, um, GBM, uh, glioblastoma, uh, brain cancer. And another one I have uh, is that Cedars for non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. And I have another one for type two diabetes with UCSF, and uh, and then we are beginning to build a, a more program out for different researchers um, who are approaching us. And this is the piece that. bothers me the most actually because when i'm talking to these researchers they are telling me about how underfunded they are Mm -hmm. and you know they have to look everywhere to get forms of cash and that's why we're setting up the foundation so that we can support fund the funding of these clinical trials that we're able to support in the form of meters and strips so that we can have uh, better science and clear science so that it becomes unequivocal when we have to really change policy in the United States. The work that Nina Tysholtz is doing with the Nutrition Coalition is fantastic, mm-hmm. but they need help with science. And what they need is to say, look at all of these different reasons here.
0: Along look- those lines, I'm if you have a plan or, or, or have considered uh, integrating all this data that's being collected, people are doing their ketones more regularly now because they, it's more affordable. And obviously, we've got great fitness uh, nutrient trackers and and collecting the data. Is there any effort yes. using, using tools like Chronometer and and then collecting that information and doing studies and, and analyzing yes. it? Absolutely. Um,
1: I have a, a deep partnership uh, that is ongoing with David Krasinski of Heads Up Health. If anybody doesn't know Heads Up Health, check it out. It's probably one of the best platforms that is going um, for tracking all of your data points for for your health. And what I mean by that, it's sort of like... Visit health.com? Um, HeadsUpHealth.com, it's sort of like the mint for your health. You can bring in your glucose, your ketones, your chronometer, your MyFitnessPal, your Strava. It will link to LabCorp and Quest Diagnostic to bring in all of your medications. You can bring in your HRV for your heart rate variability. You can bring in your weight, your biceps, your fasting timers. You can bring in every single one of those pieces that will come into play. Your aura ring. So you can see it in a dashboard and you can customize your dashboard for what you need. But then the beauty for a practitioner is you can flip that around. And now imagine being able to see all of your patients. Imagine say, I want to see everybody who's got a blood glucose over 160 today. And you look at all of your patients with over 160. They've been tracking their food with their chronometer. And you can go like, hey, John, why did you have that pizza and a Coca-Cola last night? Yeah, yeah. Now you can really go and say keep people accountable, because that accountability is one of the important things to to, to have, because we've got to change those bad habits. And I think what Dave has created is a is a phenomenal um a tool, and I'm really happy to be able to partner with him Absolutely. and work very closely with him. I was and he's not aware been, of it. well, is, Dave's is
0: been this great. Like, is it for clinicians or or for patients or everyone? For everyone, for both. Okay. And uh, he worked very close to, You can identify your clinician, and then you would be—you'd be in his database.
1: Yeah, and you not only clinician, you can also use it with your coach or your nurse practitioner or whomever else is on that platform. So uh, it—it depends. It can do all the different layers that you would want it. To, um, wow! To
0: do. I'm gonna to have to talk to him. That is really—is there is <laughs> any data yet?
1: Uh, he, he has data that he's already beginning to come on in and, um, uh, they're working through the legal machinations of being able to create anonymized data, um, mm-hmm. uh, that can eventually come on into play. Sure. I would love to see it that where you could say, okay, Dr. Walls for multiple sclerosis. She has all of her patients on the system. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not saying she has, but imagine that she does. Sure. And now we know that we can tag that, that all of these people have been following the Walls protocol. What if we say, okay, we're going to use this type of protocol, which is using intermittent fasting and cyclical um, uh, carb, le- um, um, carb ups, what will happen in, in that respect? What happens if somebody is following a particular protocol, um, say, Dr. Nature Winters for oncology? And these, once you start getting these data sets out, I mean, this is to me is where the real bio-individualized medicine will yeah. come into play.
0: Yeah. And we can see some more exactly results. Yeah. definitely need to get in touch with him. So um, this is great. I mean, you've really uh, established a new standard for and studying the bar at an affordable price that people can use and accurately, and I think that's the key adjective here, actually it's an adverb, accurately measure their ketones. So yeah, thank you for doing that. It's the it's the device that I use uh, on a regular basis and it's thank uh, you. Yeah, it's really I, I think you have to be fairly foolish or irrational to make another choice of this. <laughs> uh, I used to think recommend the ketonics, but you know, I became disillusioned with it and reached the same conclusion that you did. So well we've got, you know, we've it's, got it's, it does and that, that prick on your finger. I mean a lot of people are nervous about it, but you know, you use your use use your, your little finger. And it has the least amount of sensors uh, on it. Uh, I, I like I like to use the the side of my finger here. Yeah, the side
2: too uh, on,
1: on the on the, the on the edge. It's it's a lot a lot easier in in that respect. Um, but we've got some exciting new stuff that's going to be coming out next year. Uh, we're working on a, a next generation meter um, that basically it'll be about the size of a stick of chewing gum. Wow! Will connect to your iPhone and you'll be able to measure your ketones and your glucose um, uh, with that device. And with that, we have the global, global um, intellectual property that we've managed to secure for it, which is going to be very exciting. So we would like to bring the price down across the globe. Uh, we're also working on a um, a, a two-in-one strip. Uh, I'm hoping we'll be able to get the, the science
0: dialed
1: in. Uh, yeah, and so that will measure glucose and ketones in one in one, Basic stick instead of having to do two, and so we're working on that. So basically, we're essentially taking all of our profits that we make. We're putting it into the R and D. We're putting it into supporting um, uh, clinical trials and, and science um, to better help the kids unit community. And sure. you know, I I don't see any of my competition doing that yeah. because I just don't think that they care. And no, we- they're big
0: companies. They got other sources of revenue. They're more more interested in. But I've got a yeah. question for you in the sticks. Um, I. Tend to, if I'm going to do both of them, I'll tend to try to get a bigger drop of blood and use a, you know, a deeper stick so that I can use the same stick and not have to stick myself twice. Is that not recommended? Do you recommend a separate stick for each measurement? No, no. I would still
1: – I usually on, – on our meter, I know that if I'm using a 30-gauge needle, uh, less than 1.6 millimeters in depth, um, uh, I will 99% of the time get uh, a good stick with sufficient blood. To be able to do two samples okay. of that one one drop, you need le- about a half a matchstick head, which is uh, less than one microliter, which is about one fifth of a drop. So it's actually a very, we are actually use 50% less blood than the actual ABAP meter on, on, on our wow. meter for exactly the same results. That's why it's a lot, we get a greater deal of, of success with it.
0: Terrific. Well, you, you've knocked it out of the park, and congratulations for your courage to do this and your tenacity. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I don't know if
1: sometimes it's courage or stupidity. I'm yeah, not going to say it's my view stupidity, <laughs> but you
0: know, it, 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 I guess it, you don't really uh, answer that in retrospect. So it looks like yeah. it's courage at this point. So uh, it's really exciting what you're doing, and I congratulate you for your initiative and... Uh, really creating such a valuable resource tool for everyone so that your product is easily available as as, well maybe it depends how easy you think amazon is to find yeah (laughs) so yeah just type in keto like it sounds and mojo and it'll come right up yeah heart hard. how did you come up with that name by the way keto is obvious what's the mojo
1: about So actually, uh, I have to thank my wife for that one. We were, the initial name of the company was Keto Check, and I had all the URLs for it, and um, I thought it was a great name, obviously. And then we suddenly found out that that was already trademarked. Uh. Like, what are we gonna do? So we're driving back from yoga, and we bring through all these different lists of names, and Gemma says keto emoji, emoji, and we, uh, and then the, that was then when she said the mo, then it was something keto mojo, and then it was like oh, total Austin Powers, international man of mystery moment, you know? <laughs> oh, keto mojo, baby, and it just had more of a approach to it. And uh, what we had been realizing, and it, it, it was the definitive moment, was that we needed we essentially have a medical device, but we needed to make it approachable to to everybody and not to be stodgy and staid and to encompass a little bit of what we called about lifestyle. And so that's what we ended up with. And so a big nod to Mrs. Mojo uh, or Jim <laughs> for that
0: one. Well, I hope to meet her one day. That's great. All right. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you uh, being on and sharing your wisdom with us. Wonderful. Thank you for the time. It's really appreciated.